welcome everybody to today's field trip. I know this has been on our calendar for about three months now, and I am so mm-hmm. super excited that we are going to be cracking into this. Joined, of course, by my co-hosts, uh, Luinica and Glenn. Good afternoon, gentlemen. How are you this fine Sunday afternoon? I am doing very well. Looking forward to uh, diving into this brand new game. I've been listening to stories and tales and rumors and myth about this game for <laughs> months on the rpg academy and so psyched that we're actually going to get to play today yeah i'm super psyched as well i'm not as fantastic that we're going to get a chance to sit down here and throw some dice and find out what it's all about so everybody in the tt journeys universe out there let us introduce you if you do not somehow know michael ross from the rpg academy let us introduce you michael welcome to tabletop journeys What's up, Michael? Thank you. I am super stoked to be here as well. I love talking about games and stuff, and in particular, this game. It's very much near and dear to my heart. Yeah. I'm honored that you've asked me to come on and share it with you, so I'm uh, ready whenever you are. Absolutely. It is probably a well-known secret that that all of us are huge fans of the RPG Academy, and, uh, and people that listen to the RPG Academy would probably hear a stunning resemblance to the type of show that we try to put out, including this very type of episode. So <laughs> we're going to be playing the game that you wrote, your D12 system, Action 12 Cinema. For everybody out there in the audience, could you give just a couple-minute introduction about what Action 12 Cinema is and yeah, what absolutely. its origins are? Yeah, Two of my biggest loves in this world are bad action movies and role-playing games. And then I also, I really do love the D12. I think the D12 is a very underutilized die. I think it's just, it's just the most fun to roll at the table. So this game absolutely started as like a joke, just like how many D12s can I get people to roll while we're playing silly improv games together at the table? And then after a few sessions, I thought it's actually a lot of fun to roll a bunch of D12s and improv with your friends at the table. Maybe there's something to this. And the jokiness kind of started getting cut back and the actual game stuff kept getting pushed in. And at this point, I think I have a pretty fun game. It's GMless. So we're going to start off by rolling a bunch of D12s and it's going to help us determine what type of a movie story we're telling. And we're going to create some NPCs and locations and all that kind of stuff. The game does walk a weird line of role-playing game and storytelling game because at some parts you'll be doing one or the other or both. It also exists on multiple levels because you will be playing a character who is essentially in a movie But you may decide to be the actor portraying that character at some point. You may move over and be the director giving direction to the actor who's playing the character in that moment. So all that stuff just happens organically at the table as we're telling this hopefully fun, over-the-top silliness story altogether. Cool. That sounds amazing. (laughs) All right. So uh, the first thing we got to do... I'm sorry. Go ahead. Now, as you said, let's go ahead and get cracking. The microphone is yours, sir. All right. So again, this is a GMless game. I'm going to be here today helping to facilitate because obviously none of you know the rules yet. But for the most part, I will be a silent observer. And anyone who knows me knows how laughable that is as I am unable <laughs> to ever be silent. But I will try to limit my inclusion just to help you out. There's three big rules you need to know at the top. One, we don't want to violate the established fiction. So this is a GMless game. Everybody at the table has full authority to create the world however they see fit. But what we don't want to do is to violate something someone has already created unless it makes sense to do so. It's very common in a bad action movie where it'll be the middle of the day and then the very next scene is in the middle of the night because they ran out of time or they thought it would be cooler for it to be night. 
So it's okay to make those types of changes, things that you can chalk up to like plot holes or something like that. But if someone says, I can't believe my brother is in danger and the next person is like, that's not your brother, that's my cousin. Unless you were getting mm-hmm. some weird family triangle and it's both. But if someone establishes something as the truth, you should not change that unless it actually makes sense. And the other person has to agree to it. Typical improv rules. Yes and not no. Don't take away another player's agency. Again, this is just like friendly gaming. But if I want to have a scene where Lewanika's character is going to be in danger because I think it would be cool for my character to rescue that character. Lewanika has to be okay with their character being essentially put in danger and then maybe even captured. If they're cool with it, go for it, but don't just assume that you can play with their toys. Make sure you're always asking. And then three is you don't want to narrate success that you didn't earn through the dice. And this is the one that this whole game hinges on that. If you understand how that works, Great. If you don't, we'll probably get there. But essentially, because it's a GMless game, you have full control to say whatever you want. So if you decide that you're fighting dinosaur robots from the future and there's 13 of them and they're coming at you and you want to describe that you single handedly take out all 13 by yourself, that just happens. There's You don't have to roll the dice for that. You just say that's what happens and you're going to describe it as cool and over the top action as you can. But at some point during your turn, you're going to roll some dice and that will actually tell us whether or not we are closer to ending our current obstacle. So if you roll well, then great. You describing taking out those robot dinosaurs got us closer to ending that act. If you roll poorly, then it didn't. You still took out the dinosaur robots, but it didn't actually help because and then maybe because there were actually more of them coming around the corner or those were just the, the minions or maybe they you didn't actually take them out. They just phase back in time. It's a stupid action movie. We'll figure it out. But basically, <laughs> you can't narrate success you didn't earn, even though you can narrate things however you want. Again, if that doesn't make sense now, it probably will later. All right. So everybody should have a copy of the character sheet and the production sheet. We're going to go over those. But the first thing we want to do is talk about our safety tools. So by default, all the movies we're going to play in this game are PG-13. The game will support any type of movie. And if you're playing this at home with your friends, do whatever makes you feel comfortable. But for the baseline, I like to say it's PG-13. So that means we're going to have some violence, but it's not going to be gory or graphic or excessively bloody. We can have children in danger in large scope. So if our movie includes an asteroid about to hit the Earth, Obviously, every child on the earth is in danger, but we're never going to see an individual child like being harmed or in too much immediate type of danger. It also means the dog is going to survive. We can have some minimal language. (laughs) You get basically one F-bomb, so use it wisely, but you cannot have sexualized language. So you can say the F-word, but you can't say the F-word in relation to that act with another person. That's off limits PG-13. There'll be no uh, sexual assault or non-consensual sex at all in the game. So in addition to that, we also have lines and veils. So essentially a line is something that just will not happen in the game, period, end of story. A veil is something that might happen in the game, but we're not gonna spend any time looking at it through the camera. So so again, for me, a line is non-consensual sex. It's just not going to happen in the game. A veil might be consensual sex. So maybe one of our characters needs to seduce someone to get access to their key card to get into the underground facility. That's fine, but we're not going to be in the bedroom with them. We're going to see our characters go into a room. The door will shut. Scene changes. Next day, all that's over with. All right. So with that in mind, does anyone want to add any additional lines to things that we just do not want in the game, period, or any veils, things that 
can be in the game, but we just don't want to have any screen time. So Josh, is there anything that you would like to add? Yeah, I would like to add racism, sexism, or any sort of transgenderism or anything like that. All right. Absolutely fine. So that's a line. We just will not have it. Again, I grew up watching action movies, particularly some of the old ones. They don't always treat people of color and other minorities pretty well. There are games that might be able to explore that type of situation in a thoughtful way that this is not that game. So we're just going to say that's not cool at all. Leave it out. All right. Uh, Glenn, do you have anything that you would like to add a line or a veil for? It's more of a veil than a line. Okay. But I would not like to delve heavily into the suicide topic or people dealing with that at all right now. Totally fine by me. All right. And then Lee Wanika, anything you'd like to add, line or a veil, sir? I think that pretty much covers all of my lines and veils. I would say I'm probably closer to line than veil in regards to the suicide topic. That's just a personal preference. Sure. I just think it's... Just make it a line then. Yep. Yeah. I think it's touchy for our audience, regardless of where I am. I'm also trying to be protective of those who are going to enjoy this game. And I think it's also important to list that as folks should be, as you've already said, be careful of these types of topics. All right. Absolutely fine with that. We also use the X card. So we have set our lines and veils, but something may come up that we didn't think of that we're like, you know what? I actually don't want that now that we're started talking about it. So the X card is just a game or a mechanic where you indicate that whatever's going on right now, making you uncomfortable, doesn't have, you don't have to explain why you just let us know the scene ends. No further questions asked. If you're at a physical table, usually there'll actually be a card or like a piece of paper on the table with a big X. But since we're doing it virtually, basically just give me like a little timeout symbol, anything that you want to do. And again, that scene will be over. No questions asked. We will move on. Just be aware too. Sometimes if you become upset by something, sometimes you're now in the moment and you can't rationally let other people know. So we're all here together. If we see anyone being uncomfortable, it looks like they're having a hard time. We, someone else can call a timeout for someone else if you think that needs to happen. All right. So the first big question we have to answer about this is what genre of movie are we playing in? So all the tables in the game are D12 tables, of course. And with all random roles, I think this goes for every game, these are only here to help us. So if we roll something that just doesn't work, we can ignore it. We can roll again, we can choose, but we only want these random elements to be additive. So at any time, if you're just like, I don't see how that fits what we've already got established, feel free to ignore it. Again, choose your own or re-roll. Though I will say sometimes the fun of the game is figuring out how these things that don't seem to make sense can make sense. But it's again, it's your game at the point that you're playing it on your own to do whatever makes you feel most comfortable. So on my screen, I got Josh Glenn and Lee Wanika left to right. So I'm going to just go that way. So Josh, will you roll our first D12, please? Oh, with pleasure. Here we go. It's a five. Five. So that is an action horror movie. So some examples that you might have experienced or see is The Thing, one of my all-time favorite movies by John Carpenter, or Fright Night, either the good version or the remake version. Are we okay (laughs) with action horror? We can roll again. Or any of the Aliens movies? Aliens, probably. I think I have them under more action space, but they probably would, especially the first one, probably. But is everyone okay with action horror? Do we want to adjust it? That's good with me. Lee Wanik is not feeling it. Yeah, horror is kind right. of an odd animal. Some days I'm better with it than others. All right, let's All right. roll again. Roll again, again. It's only supposed to help us. To yep. be fair, right. I wasn't totally feeling it either. I was on the meh side, which made it easy for me to call out the fact that I could see Lee's face. But <laughs> perfect. All right, three. 
Three is action disaster. So that's movies like, like Armageddon, Armageddon yeah. Side Adventure, The Core, Earthquake. which is an underrated movie, or even King Kong versus Godzilla, even though there is a kaiju genre that could still fall into yeah. uh, action. 2012. Disaster. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So are we happy with that then? Oh, yeah. All right. That's a good one. Yeah. All right. So the next thing we have to decide, and this is no roles, this is just us discussing, is what era the movie is set in and what era the movie is being made in. Mm. We could have this movie set in the year 3000, but it's actually being made in the 1950s. This gets into the sort of the meta level of the jokes that we might tell about like the type (laughs) of special effects we're using. So it can very easily say it's modern day, but if we want to twist that up, we can. So does anyone have any strong opinions on when the movie is set and or when the movie is being made? Ah, so this is a choice, not a roll table. Correct, this is just us discussing. I love the concept of having it set in the in the early aughts or early 2010s, like around the time of 2012. I think the disaster films in that era had fantastic special effects and were a lot of fun. Like 2012 was such an amazingly fun movie. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Armageddon, which is about 10 years earlier, was brilliant. I love that. I love that style of film. Okay, I'm totally fine with that. We can set it in the year 2012 again. That's when the whole big, the Mayan calendar ends and the world's going to blow up anyway. There was a lot of hype around that, so we could use that. Do we want to set the movie in 2012, in today, 2022, or sometime earlier? Whatever you think would be the most fun to play around with. I always love having characters that are in like the late 90s, early 2000s, if only because that's when the three of us like met. And so that's always a really popular, hey, play the people that we used to be 30 years ago. But I am not. Yeah. I, I think everybody, I see people nodding. That sounds like everyone's okay with that. I think like playing right around 2000, like playing us in our Fred Durst days would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> I am wearing my cargo shirts with my button up shirt with the short you know, sleeves. So if only uh, we could yeah. fly. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So the next choice we're going to roll for is who is the big, bad, evil person? Who is behind all the evils that we will be facing in our movie? So Glenn, if you don't mind, will you roll... Two D12s for me. Certainly. Haha, I get to roll more than you did. (laughs) No, I had to roll two, too. That's true. That's true, because the first one. Yeah, but he got to roll his at once. So that's a 12 and a 9. 12 and a 9. So that is Cosmic Horrors. So I know we, we weren't feeling the action horror earlier. It looks like it's trying to weasel its way back in. So again, we can roll another option if we don't want to go with that. Definitely, because of horror genres, cosmic horror, meh. Again, these are all supposed to be additive, not restrictive. Do you want to roll again on the table, or do you want to roll both of them again? I'll just roll one. Let's see. Okay. Four. Four. Corrupt politicians. Always fun. Always fun. All right. So this could be a sort of like maybe an ecological disaster that maybe the bureaucrats are causing problems with, where they actually caused it or just making it harder for us to deal with. Again, is that okay for everybody? So for the disaster film and the politicians, I'm having a little bit of a trouble making a connection in my head. Okay. Uh, It could be that the disaster is unrelated to the politicians, but they are just an added roadblock that is making it more difficult for it's happening over here, but the politicians are making it harder. But again, if that's not a movie we think will be fun, then we can, again, these are supposed to be silly over the top action. So if that doesn't fit your, what you're Mm. wanting, we can try again. I'm going to say, let's try again because I'm having trouble making it silly. That's the key. I can see how it works, but it works. It's just not silly. That was the serious element of 2012, not the fun (laughs) element of 2012. 
All right. 11. It was. All right. So roll, 11 is rolled two more times and combined together. <laughs> two. All right. I so two, two is mythological creatures. So this is like unicorns and Medusa, uh, trolls, yeah. anything from outside of our current knowledge of the universe right. invading our world in some way. So like, so in, like something is like rising. Yeah. Dragons. Yeah. Could yeah. be dragons or could just be like fairies and fae, just any sort of creature <laughs> from mythology or fantasy. Okay. Rain of Fire was a great That's movie. Rain of it was. Fire that is was what good. I was trying to say. All right. All right. So now we've got to decide what the plot is. Now with a disaster movie, it's generally pretty straightforward that the world's in trouble, but we're still going to roll to see what else we might add in an element. So Lee Wanika, mm -hmm. you're up. I need two D12s, please. I've got a five and a 10. All right. So this is entity wants to devolve humans. Ooh. So in this case, whatever our mythological creature wants to devolve humans, maybe to more of a, like a servient, situation or just because we're ruining the earth that they're actually trying to protect the earth by getting rid of the people on it, which sometimes I feel the same way. But how are you feeling about that? Because we can always reroll. Like I'm digging the, you mentioned dragons, Lee, when you can like the dragons trying to devolve us back into like subservient lizard creatures. That seems fun. Or maybe it's um, mind flayers. Yep. Or something like that. Some kind of yep. slave overlord fairy. Yep. So here's the question, though, is that do we want to approach the slavery line? Yeah, yeah. that's always a hard question. And again, we don't necessarily yeah. have to go with that. That's the yep. first one that came to mind, but it could be another yep. version of just like changing humans for some reason. Generally, if we're going to go with an action movie, a lot of times the plot's going to involve subjugating one group over another group, thus the yep. conflict and the fight. Yep. You don't have to. You don't have to get into these persons are or were, but. Certainly it's, we don't want to be, so that's why we're fighting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to say reroll. Yeah. Okay. Do it. I've got a seven and a 12. Uh, so seven to 12 is basically you get to pick whatever's on that table. So I will read these through you. So we have entity transforming humans. So similar to the first one, but a little bit different. Alien invasion. Flood the planet by melting glaciers. Shrinking. Trapped in another universe, massive earthquakes, sickness from another place, time, or dimension, a traitor on the inside, the boat is sinking, XXX wants to destroy humans, or time crimes. That shrinking one was cool. I like shrinking is fun. What was the shrinking one? Just, just shrink we, we get to apply that however we want. Like maybe fairies are trying to go ahead and make all of humanity fairy-sized? Maybe that's where the fairies are coming from. Or maybe aliens are trying to make shrink, shrink. Alien fairies. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> shrink us all to be in some kind of menagerie kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm. All right. Again, it will make it make sense later as long as we're all on board. So we're good with okay. mythological creatures of the bad guys and shrinking is their plot. Whatever that makes sense later, but that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to shrink something. Okay. Okay. All right. I'm good on drinking. Okay. So what we're going to do now is the game is broken into three acts. It follows loosely the three act structure. So for each act, we're going to create a number of obstacles that your characters will have to overcome to complete that act and move the story forward. We're going to go ahead and roll all of them now. It's going to be a total of six. And then we can put them in whatever order we think makes the most sense. 
So in act one, we're only gonna have one obstacle. And again, these are all abstracted down. One of the ones that comes up a lot is just called fight. And that just means there's a physical conflict between our characters and some entity. It could be the mythological creatures. It could be their agents. It could be like civil servants trying to protect us, but we have to get past them. We can make it look like however we want, but we have to abstract it in a way that makes sense for the story we're trying to tell. So in act one, we're just going to have one of these obstacles. In act two, we're going to have two of the obstacles. And then act three, we have three of them. But in act three, two of them are what I would say they're lesser. So... It'll make a little bit more sense later, but there's a number of points you have to accumulate through your dice rolls to be successful. You need less points for two of the ones in Act 3. So mathematically, it's closer to Act 2 and like how long it should take, but you have three different obstacles that are interacting at the same time. So I need everybody. We'll start with, again with Josh. Roll two D12s and we'll come up. We're just going to go across. Everybody will roll twice and we'll have all our six. All righty. An eight and a seven. Okay. So as I predicted, comes up a lot. Fight. So we have some sort of physical altercation. We can make it make sense however we need to in the movie. If you want, just go ahead and roll again. We'll do your two because everybody will do two since we need six total. Okay. A 12 and a seven. 12 and a seven. Yep. That's also fight. <laughs> so we're going to have lots of fighting. Excellent. All right, Glenn, can you give me your two 2D12 rolls, please? A one and a seven. One and a seven. Okay, that's fight again. That may be getting too many. Do we want to have three fights? Because we do have three acts, but still, do we want to re-roll that one? Yeah, I think let's re-roll sure. that. I think it's okay. going to be fights for me into like act two and act three, but... Ten and a seven. Ten and a seven. I swear, fights only on each thing twice, but you keep <laughs> rolling the numbers that are fights. So let's, let's try that one more time, sir. Four and a two. Four <laughs> and a two. Uh, quicksand. Because what good action movie doesn't have a scene involving quicksand? I love it. Fantastic. And again, we have to make these make sense. So this could literally be any situation where the earth is falling out from under. So it could even, you could actually change it to a collapsed building, but it it can also just be quicksand. I believe that's only three so far. So I need another roll from Glenn, please. Yep. Five and two. Five and two. Overwhelming paranoia. All right. And then Lee Wanika, I need your two 2D12 rolls, please. 10 and four. 10 and four is plan it out. And this is basically where the obstacle is. It's like the heist movie where we're going to have a scene where we just plan out what's going to happen and then watch it fall apart later. And three and five. Three and five is a ticking clock slash bomb. So we are on some sort of, we're on a race against the clock for some reason. That's when the portal closes. That's when the changes are permanent. That's when the bomb blows up. We can make it look like however we want but we have a ticking clock in front of us. So I believe that's our six. So now we're going to put them in order. We need one for act one. This is going to be our inciting incident, which kicks off the story, lets us know we're in this movie, lets the audience know what's happening, what the stakes are. Act two, we will have two that might come at the same time. They might enter like one start and then the other come in. And then we have the three at the end. You have the main one, and then you have two that are sort of like, think of like uh, they're standing in the way. You cannot actually finish the third one until you finish both of the other two. I think it makes sense for fight to go at least one of them into the act three. And the fight could be against whoever we decide the actual fairy or mythical creatures are. And then the other two, like maybe quicksand and paranoia might be the two things that are keeping us from just punching the fairies in the face. But it's your game. You put them in the order that you think would be the most fun. All right. I, I like, I'm going. I, I was thinking that the planet out should definitely be Act Two. Yep, I agree. 
So plan it out as Act 2, which means that we probably don't want the other fight to be Act 2 also. Does that make sense? You're saying we don't want it to be? No, we do want it to be. In Act Two, unless we want, unless we want to start with a fight, that's very classic for the type of movie where you're in a typical, you're hanging out at the mall, and then ah, there's something happening, and that's what you're dealing with. But yeah, and I'm just, I'm a yeah. silent observer. Yeah, yeah. I don't. know. I kind of the quicksand at the beginning because since it's a disaster film, I figure whatever's happening, like we get into the movie because we're in the middle of the situation. It's got a stuck or we're trapped or whatever that may be. So I also that that would be a good way to incite things and then save the fight for Act Two specifically. Yep. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Yep. I was thinking either either quicksand or paranoia for Act One, right? Either something's going on and we don't know what's going on leading into Act Two, which goes into the plan. But I like quicksand, I like the collapsing building for Act One also. Well, what's your thought? Either one works, the quicksand or the paranoia, because you're right. If like strange events are happening randomly buildings are shrinking all over the world yeah i also think that's funny oh actually that the the quicksand is a shrinking building like that's That's i hadn't even thought thought. about that that's pretty cool actually i really like that that would start with the quicksand then because we're on the building yeah we start with quicksand yeah okay solid and we could just start now and then once we get out then decide what we want act two to be again it's however you want to do it you could also do it where you do act one based on what you roll and then you roll act two when you get into it i have found i like it better when you have a little bit of control to plan it out i think it makes for a little bit more of a cohesive story in a game that cohesive stories are sometimes hard to come by but it's again it's always up to whatever you think would be the most fun yeah no i dig it it's building together a little bit we got quicksand followed by overwhelming paranoia and we're like what the was that there was my F-bomb. Damn it. <laughs> you it. There you go. You can have them all you want in the production meetings, but when the, when the movie comes out. Yeah. Got you. Okay, fair enough. Followed by overwhelming paranoia, which when we figure out what's going on and find some alien weird fairies with their shrink rays to fight, then we got to plan out how we're going to beat them. Yep. Okay. So now when you get to Act 3, like, we have multiple fights. You could always have a thing like a mini boss where yeah. you have to get through the guards before you get to the main thing. So you could have two fights in Act 3 and it makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And there's nothing that says the ticking clock bomb thing can't also involve fighting. That's true. That's true. If it's depending I, I like, on how the conflict's coming down. Yeah. I think I like the ticking clock in two fight scenes in Act 3 and then put the planet out in the paranoia in Act 2. Yep. Yeah. I dig that. Okay. So paranoia then planet out? Paranoia and planet out in Act 2. So it's, yeah, quicksand one, paranoia, plan it out, act two, and act three is fight, fight, clock. Is that tick, tick, boom? I believe it was click, boom. Thank you, Slide. So what if it's fight, clock, fight? So that's a good question, Michael, actually. Does the order that the obstacles appear in act three, are we putting them in the order that they're going to appear in act three, or are we just putting them in act three and they kind of happen whenever? Right now, they're just in Act 3. Once we get to Act 3, we decide which yeah. one comes in first and then okay. which one comes. Like, you always have control over that. Yeah. Cool. Because I, I do think, like, fight, ticking clock, fight, right? Like, maybe the first fight right. takes too long or isn't completely or successful. at the end of the yeah. first fight, you find out what the plan is and you yeah. only have X amount of yeah. hours to reach the mothership and stop it. Yeah, yeah. Totally a Matrix situation. Right? Yeah. They realize, like, halfway through that they don't have that much time. Yeah. Cool. All right. We can always rearrange depending. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Nothing is locked right. in stone. Excellent. All right. All right. So now we're going to create two locations for our movie. 
Now, during the game, you have free reign to create as many as you want or need, but we're going to start with the location that the movie starts in, so our opening location, and then we're going to come up with where the movie is going to end, our big climatic battle at the end. So we know where we start and we know where we're going towards. So I think we've talked about maybe quicksand being a shrinking building. So we need probably a building that all of your characters, which we have not defined yet, would be in the same place. So again, like Mm. a public building, like a sports stadium, a mall, a library, a government building makes sense. But does anyone have an idea for a, maybe even like a amusement park, but does anybody have an idea for an opening location for our movie? Do we know each other? We don't know that yet. Interesting. I was going to say like the three of us all worked for the same company when, at least when Glenn and I met, all three of us were working for the same company. So it could be like sterile corporate office is where we first realized that the buildings were being shrunk with all the people inside of it, right? Okay. And a big city with, so that there's a number of buildings around it to work with or play with. So it's a corporate office on one of the higher levels of a skyscraper style building in Chicago or New York or. Yep. I like Chicago. I like Chicago. Yeah. I was going to go Boston, but that's me. Yeah, that's all because we know Boston. <laughs> yeah, that, that had a lot to do with why. But I have I, I have mad love for Chicago, and I can think yeah. of some fun things to do with Chicago also. All right. So basically, we have a typical office building in Chicago as our opening location. And then where do we think this movie ends? What is our big spectacular set piece? Keep in mind, our movie may, may run out of money, and our big set piece may be on a soundstage. We don't know yet. So it doesn't have to be. It could just be a soundstage, but it's whatever you think will be the most fun. Like an open field? <laughs> like Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it looks like Southern California. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. Yeah. For alien, if our fairies are aliens, if we've decided that, a mothership's not a bad idea necessarily, or a base of some form on the planet. Area 51. Perfect. That works for me. Yep. I think that's perfect. Nice. Okay. All right. So we know where we start and we know where we're going to end. It's just (laughs) how we get there. Excellent. All right. So next, what we're going to do is we're actually going to create some NPCs. So we create them first. These are three people in the movie because every player gets to create one that might be someone that's in danger that we would care about. So a loved one, a jilted lover, ex-lover, current spouse, child, best friend, whatever the case may be. It could also just be a random person. If we want to put like a public official, like just the president, we want them to be in danger. We're going to interact with them. We can do that. This should be open discussion, but each of you gets to create one, whoever you think would fit the movie. We need a name for them. And then just sort of description, something that helps us identify what they are in the movie. So the example I have is like a kid genius who lives in the slums, an admin assistant to a corrupt politician, or like a 30-something Harvard grad currently working on the Innocence Project. So those are just three examples we've had from other playtests. So does anybody have an idea for a, oh, let me, let me include Lafayette, which is a French-born Yeti living in rural Oklahoma. That's also one from a playtest. So <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. So do we know these NPCs or are we just creating them because they're going to be involved in the story? We're just going to create them for now. And the next step is when you create your characters and we will also define relationships between yourself and one of the NPCs, but it may not be the NPC you created. Can be, doesn't have to be. Gotcha. Okay. I think we need to have a rogue fairy agent in our NPC list and their name. A fifth column, if you will. 
Exactly. And and their name their name is Tiny. Which is Are they very they large? They, it's a fairy. They don't know what they yeah. Yeah, maybe they're like larger than the average fairy. But uh, but Tiny the fairy is is an NPC. And at least in my mind, I imagine this is like a gloop from the Lost in Space movie. Terribly rendered <laughs> CGI that's clearly not there. No one's sight yeah. lines ever yeah. line up, but they're yeah. very important to the story. L- looks like Jim Carrey's face from the mask all the time. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, these, yep. These go in extras, right? Yeah. Yep. Tiny all right. fairy turncoat. Tiny the fairy. And, and it, it's game. totally fine to draw them very broadly because they may not even come into the movie. We don't know that yet. But just yep. anyway, has any, Glenn, do you have somebody you'd want to bring into our movie? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go with Phil. Just Phil. Just Phil. Phil, which is what I was going to name, what I suggested that we call the creature. And you said, what are we going to call it in yeah. our detention when we created a creature? All right. So who is Phil in this story? And Phil is an overworked accountant from Cleveland <laughs> so who yeah. happens to be in Chicago. Oh, okay. On vacation? On vacation. Excellent. So it's your movie. Be whatever you want. But I can definitely see a situation where the accountant, there's some sort of discrepancy. And that's pivotally important to you knowing where to go type of a thing. Some sort of financial discrepancy. (laughs) All right. So, Lee, you're up. Do you have somebody you'd like to add to our story? These books are a little short. Because everything's shrinking. That's the poster. Actually, I envision Phil as the guy in Jurassic World who stops to grab his margarita as he's running. That's pretty much his role so far. Amazing. Amazing. I don't know if I grab a margarita. My tie I'm all about, but I don't know. About I don't know exactly what was in the glass, but yeah. there's a dude that's centered on for a hot second that stops to grab his drink as he's fleeing the dinosaurs, and that's Phil. Yeah. Yeah. I think what we need to have a military person involved, and I believe... I'm thinking her name will be Lieutenant Kelsey Dannon. And she has intel that, like, she knows about what's going on. But right. because of the lines of secrecy, she's not able to, to have the world know about it. Like, basically, the government's not taking the right actions. So she's right. kind of, she's, like, trying to get the word out. So she's right. in the know and looking for a way to. Yeah. And we're going to need her to get into Area 51 because like back then, Area 51 was still secret. You Correct. couldn't just show up with all your friends. You still can't like walk on there as proven by a bunch of <laughs> foolish people about a year. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. God, they still yeah. take issue with that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So we've got our three NPCs to start. And again, as you're doing your thing, when you're the active player, you can create more NPCs as you feel n- needed. But these are the Amazing. three that we start with. And there's no Fantastic. guarantee they will show up in the movie. They don't have to. It's just what happens in the story. But it, I think it's a good idea to have at least a few to start with. Yep. What was the name of your character again, Lee Winnicka? Lieutenant Kelsey Dannon. K-E-L-C-I-E-D-A-N-O-N. K-E-L-C-I-E-N-O-N. All right. So now it's time to create your- Air Force Intelligence. Your characters, the heroes of the story. As always, again, everything here is supposed to be additive. I have found, I think it's more fun to make the heroes last, but some groups have said they would have preferred to create them first. If that's your prerogative when you're playing on your own, what again, whatever you think will be the most fun. I found it more entertaining for me to do it at the end. So you all should have a copy of the character sheet. Again, it's very ugly, but it will help with what you need to write down. So you have a place for your name, obviously, and then a description. And the description can be things like, I'm 5'7", 240, blah, blah, blah. Or it could just be a man who stares into the middle distance too often. 
whatever <laughs> helps you think about what your character is and does in the movie, that's all that is just for you. It's all the description matters. You have four attributes in the game. You have brains, brawn, charm, and moxie. Brains is how smart you are. Brawn is how physically fit you are. Charm is how good social graces, manipulating people, insight. And then moxie is kind of like grit and determination, but it's also anything that is not brains, brawn, or charm. So in our story where we have fey creatures that are shrinking people, maybe you decide that at some point you get magical powers somehow, like the more fey come into the world, magic comes back and you want to say, I can now cast spells do it, Moxie will default to your spell casting ability. Ooh, so it's, it's everything that is not brains, brawn, charm, or Moxie, or excuse me, or brawn. You have four stats. So numbers, you have a zero, two plus ones, and a plus two. And you're going to put those in relation to those four stats on however you see your character acting in the story most often. So if you're a strong fightery type, probably have a higher brawn. If you're really smart, probably higher brains. If you're very socially adept, probably the higher charm. And then my skill. I'm going to go through all these kind of quickly and then we can circle back to each one if you have questions. Then we have a place for skills. You have five skill slots, two of which are at plus two, three of which are at plus one. You don't have to fill out any of these right now if you don't want to. I suggest you fill out two and then the other three you create during play, but you can literally just wait till the moment where you need a skill and go, oh yeah, I actually, I did study that in college. And so that's now my plus two skill or, oh yeah, I spent a year with the Rangers. I know how to skydive. So now that's a skill. I generally like to have these to be very broad so that you can apply them however you need to. Cause again, that's the type of story we're telling. So I often will put like action fighting as one of my skills. So anytime I'm doing anything that involves action fighting, I'm good. Sometimes I like to do super specific things that make no sense and then try to find a way to make it make sense in the story. So like maybe you have a plus two in underwater basket weaving, and now it's your job to find out a way to make that make sense in the movie, good luck. But generally I tell people they should probably create two and then leave the other three open. To the middle right, you have relationships. So you're gonna start with two relationships, one to one of the other heroes that we're creating and one to one of the NPCs that have already been created. And then there's space to change them, add them as the acts progress, you have a chance to add or change them. You can leverage these relationships for an additional D12 when you're building your dice pool. You can do it one of two ways. One, that person is physically in the scene with you so they can actually help you. Or it could be an emotional driver like, damn it, I can't let my daughter down again. I'm going to be home for her recital. And so then you can leverage that for a plus one as well. You have a place for a personal crisis because that's very common in these types of movies. Our heroes are going through something at home. They don't feel valued. Their kids don't respect them. They can't ask their boss for that raise that they think they deserve. So you have a personal crisis that your character is trying to overcome at the same time we're going through the movie. And hopefully if it all works out, the, the way the movie ends will also help you resolve your personal crisis. You have a place for your heroic trait. This is what sets you apart and makes you a hero in our movie. It could be that you are exceptionally well-trained. You're very smart. You're too stubborn uh, to give up. Uh, you believe in truth. You believe in America. It can literally be whatever you want it to be, but you can leverage it throughout the game to get re-rolls. So if, if your roll doesn't go your way, you can be like, no, I'm too stubborn. There's no way I failed this. My heroic trait is stubborn. I'm going to re-roll. And you can do that up to three times each game, except you can actually use 
two instances for a super bonus reroll. I'll explain that in a minute. If you do that, then you would only have two to use because you're using two of your three at one time. And then you have a place for your Achilles heel. This is what gets you in trouble. And it can even be the same exact thing as your heroic trait. If you're too smart and that's what makes you heroic, you could think that you're too smart and that actually sometimes gets you in trouble or too stubborn or too brave. It doesn't have to be, but it can actually be the same as the other one. When you use your Achilles heel, you get to add two additional dice to your dice pool, which is the only way you can ever get up to your maximum of seven. But if you roll any ones, which are normally bad, they count as double ones. So it's doubly bad. So it's a very high risk, high reward proposition. And then there's a action one-liners. This is actually, as the game is going on, if you drop a one-liner, it's just like something that would go on the poster. If it makes everybody laugh, then you can write it down at the end of the movie. We'll kind of like maybe revisit those, but you also get an in-game bonus. All right, so that's the character sheets. So we'll circle back to the attributes. Does anyone have any questions on how that works? Cool. No, it makes sense to me. Attributes okay. make sense to me, yep. All right, and again, feel free to talk about these out loud. It doesn't matter if you're all have the same stats, but if you want to talk about, hey, I'm thinking about going this way so that someone else might go another way, that's fine as well. So just, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going with a two in charm, a one in brawn, and a one in moxie. Yeah. So I'm the concept that I've got is the the generic hacker that like think Jeff Goldblum from Independence Day, like who finds out that alien technology works on Apple Macintosh products. Of course and they you do. Can right? You can upload a virus on something that at the time they didn't have viruses. Exactly. For. Yeah. So I'm going plus two in brains and plus one in charm, and I'm also throwing another plus one in democracy. But I have no brawn. Okay. For a concept, I'm going for a kid who got through high school, did okay, not terrible, not bet, not great. Joined the military, trained with various folks for v- various nice jobs for a little while, but then got sidetracked because he's always second guessing his own value and worth. That, by mm. the way, my Achilles heel. And then has more recently branched out and is working in the business field in the office building that where we all meet while I'm trying to put together a career as a stand-up comic. <laughs> okay. So a lot. So Lee, what did you say your Achilles heel was going to be? I second guess my own value and worth. So that might actually be better as a personal crisis. Okay. Because that's something that hopefully throughout the course of the movie, you will come to believe in yourself because the Achilles heel needs to be something that you can actually leverage and say, because of this, I actually get more dice. Okay. Does that make sense? Uh, as far as a hero trait, my word is my bond. I do have a lot of those military traits. Friendships I formed while I was in the military, I'm very strong with. And I was thinking for a relationship that basically I was in tight, trained with Lieutenant Kelsey Dannon. Like we were trained together. And then I left the service. She stayed in. So now she's higher up or whatever. But But that's where I met her. And she is the one that got away. Oh, oh nice. Ooh. Okay. All right. Cool. All right. Okay, go on. Yeah. Go ahead, Josh. I was actually going to ask you next. I was just going to try to summarize oh, okay, cool. what his character right. feels. Uh, cool. Yeah. For my heroic trait, I am tenacious. I'm kind of like a like a like a honey badger, right? I just don't give a. Uh, uh, my Achilles heel is that I can't accept failure. Okay. Um, Those are great. Uh, and then for my personal crisis, I'm basically disenfranchised from my entire family, which ties into my relationship because the accountant Phil is my uncle who was coming into town. He and I were going to try to catch a White Sox-Indians game when everything started going to hell. Okay. And not the Cubbies? Come on. This was the 90s. The American League and the National League didn't play each other. Okay. 
Okay. I, I so, guess maybe by like 2012, this had resolved itself, but they didn't know that in the 2000s. So fair enough. Yeah. All right. So Glenn, what about you? What are you thinking? So Lewanika established a relationship with one of, with the Lieutenant. Yep. Josh went with Phil. So I'm going to have to create a relationship with the fairy turncoat. You don't have to. You oh, could but I'm going yeah. it's fun. Uh, <laughs> and it's, it's also possible that maybe tiny is living amongst humans disguise maybe they came here yeah. as an early agent and fell in love with american culture and so they now have a job working like as the janitor in the building like they don't have to be openly a fairy they can be but you could just have a friendship with this person and later we find out who they really are oh so i'm gonna be playing stan and stan is a delivery driver for a pizza place and he happens to be in the building when this whole thing starts to go down. But he does know Tiny the Fairy. But Stan knows Tiny the Fairy as Jessica because they've been here for a bit in disguise. And Jessica is actually the dishwasher at his pizza joint. Oh, okay. I haven't decided right. on the stats yet. But he's just a common Joe. So everybody has a relationship to one of the NPCs. Now you need to come up with one to one of the other heroes. So how do you all interact and know each other? Because once this movie starts, you're going to become the main characters. And it seems like for the most part, you're all everyday heroes. I think Lee's character has the military background, but you're still going to become the stars of our action movie. And you're going to need a reason to want to hang together and take care of each other. So you need some sort of relationship and it can be as tight or as loose as you want. You could Maybe you're all in the same fantasy football league or something. I don't know. So... For skills, I chose swordplay and fencing for my plus two. I chose motivational speaker as my plus two. So I figure I'm in this office building. My day job is basically I'm hired on to do trainings for the company. Okay. Uh, and it's their annual, this is what you're not supposed to do with your other employees kind of speaking and, and <laughs> team building and all of that stuff. So I'm actually doing that. I find it very mundane. It's dry. It's not good. I have a routine way of doing it because it's the job. It's not what I want to do. And secretly, I pass out cards to my upcoming comedy shows. I'm trying to get more people to show up and laugh at my jokes. But And then I have like my military tactics as like a plus one. I actually wrote down three just to have that in there. But I don't, I'm not going to be like Carl Weathers kind of action star i am my brawn is like a plus one so i am a bit more of everyday kind of strength uh, in my family we like to refer to that as old man strength <laughs> you know, like some days you're just lifting stuff you've got no business lifting <laughs> that kind of thing but yeah so i know some things but i'm not like in that community all the way but pretty much i'm just a guy doing a job trying to make his dreams come true kind of thing gotcha all right as and i figure that's how i know josh is Basically, we had a connection, through, shared a coffee during previous trainings. And we hang out from time to time. Yeah, I'm probably the office IT guy. And so I had to go ahead and get you set up and all that sort of stuff. You gave me a card to your comedy show. I went. It wasn't very funny, but that's okay. That's you're still a nice enough guy that like whatever. And I really liked that you're you're like fencing and like just sword play and stuff like that. My two skills are fast hacking because, again, I've got that magical laptop that can go ahead and connect to anything. And my other one is basically trivial knowledge where I'm just like a repository of like useless information. And so, like, in fact, I was probably like critiquing your comedy show. Oh, yeah. Isn't that the joke that Richard Pryor told in 1974 in like when he's in San Francisco, you know, like that kind of thing? Yeah. And then, sorry, Stanley. So you said that what is your connection to the building? Do you work there, too? Or do you work in the pizza shop? I'm the pizza delivery guy. So I deliver to you guys all the time. 
we all know each other, but my relationship is definitely to Stanley because like he's my pizza guy and he knows how I like the pizza with the cheese kind of burnt, but the pepperoni not. And like, you're the only one that can get it. So Stanley with the magic pizza. Love it. Awesome. And so I know the both of you, but I would have to say that the relationship with the guy who's all about my pizza would probably appeal. But Josh, what do you do? Your IT? Yeah. I'm, I'm IT in this big building. Yeah. So there's probably maybe yeah. a little brainiac bond going on too, because Stanley is a pizza delivery guy paying his way through college. As maybe you're on the same pub trivia team. Ooh, there Ooh, we go. I like that. Yeah, and then I can hang out there because they have a comedy night that I tend oh. to do. But, oh. uh, but I'm there on trivia night because, well, what else is a starving artist going to do? But hang out at a bar and watch people. Yeah, I like it. Perfect. Do we, do we want to name this hangout place just in case we think it'll be important? Or we don't have to, but I think it should. I think that'd be. I a think lot it's going to be important. Yeah. Is okay. it the pizza joint? No. Oh no. Chicago is we... famous for pizza. It's not always just a pizza joint. Sometimes they've got a nice bar. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, it could be that it's the pizza place, but it's also the they do the like it's like a pub pizza place. Yep, karaoke on Friday nights. Another bar too. There's a really cool bar in Chicago in the basement of another bar. It's a speakeasy. Yep, but I don't remember its name. Yep, easy for going there, and it's got to have a nice Italian sounding name. Let's see. Let's see. How about? Let's see. Wait, okay, so you said that, that Lieutenant Dan in his Air Force, right? Because I'm yes. us, using a totally using a like a random name generator. One yep. of them that popped up is props to hops brewing. So like props like propellers. Oh props okay. to hops. All right. right. Yeah. So that'll work. All yeah. right. Yeah, props to hops, props to hops brewing and pizza. Yep. yep. I like it. See. Yep. All right. Is there anything not filled out on the character sheet so far that needs to be? Has everybody got their heroic trait, Achilles heel, mm-hmm. personal crisis, relationships? No, I'm a tad behind. Okay, no worries. <laughs> Again, absolutely um, no pressure. I'm just making, I don't want to move ahead before we're ready. Josh, what's your character's name? That's a really good question. My character's name is, let's see. Oh, perfect. Let's see. My, my name is Jagger. My parents were big Rolling Stone fans. Do you have a hacker name you go by or is that it? Like you go, Jagger is just like your share name. Everybody calls you Jagger. Oh, so my hacker name. So that actually is my hacker name. And you, so you know me as Jagger and online I'm like J at sign GG3R, right? Yep. I got you. I can even write it that way for you because that goes in my relationships, right? Yep. Oh, maybe his, his real name. All right. I'll say this, but it's probably not going to come up, but his actually his uncle might call him Mitch. And so he's always like, Mitch is close enough to Mick that he called him. He calls himself Jagger online. So maybe he's the big Rolling Stones fan. Yeah. And, but his real name is Mitch. All right. Love it. So I can see Phil calling him that. Like, and you'd be like, well, yeah, but yeah, you guys know me as Jagger. Right. And with all these things again, and I'm promise I'm not saying this to put any pressure on Glenn, but we can, just start playing and then you create things as we need them too. It's totally, totally fine, fine with to that too. Start playing yeah. and then, yeah. oh, okay, now I have a relationship or now I have this heroic trait. Like when <laughs> yeah. the first time it comes up, you can do that too. That's totally fine. Stan's not a classic nerd. He definitely was on the football team in school. He's not big and, and brawny, but he's quick. And his heroic trait is he can't sit on the sidelines. He always has to get involved. All right. That's a good one. And I think that's going to be his Achilles heel as well. 
That is absolutely fine and dandy. It works actually well pretty sometimes when you do it that way. But I reserve the right to change it if I come up with a better idea as we go. That is totally fine as well. Like we may even change actors. Like between act two and act three, we may fire Glenn's actor and replace him. So that happens sometimes. <laughs> Amazing. <Right? laughs> it could happen. Yeah. I use my stunt double because he looks like me. Yep. Yep. I like it. That works as well. Uh, personal crisis is all I'm missing, man. I need a personal <laughs> crisis. Let's see. Uh, I'm struggling college students. So do you own the pizza shop or do you work at the pizza shop? Oh, I work at the pizza shop. I'm a delivery. You work at the pizza shop. You don't own the pizza shop. Maybe your parents don't see the worth in what you do or you're about to lose your apartment. I think I'm about to lose my financial aid. Oh, okay. Ooh, yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure how that's going to play into the movie, though. It's just something that you're worried about. Maybe there's a place where there's a lot of money lying around you have to decide whether or not you put it in your pocket when no one's looking yeah fair enough yes and we feel is is an account there's a path to retribution there my friend if we save the world they might get a tax break yep armageddon (laughs) i never want to play taxes again ever like the (laughs) absolute most realistic thing i in that old right there never again yeah yeah put that in there cool All right. So the last thing we got to generate randomly before we get started is our tropes. So tropes are basically, they're just a part of life when it comes to action movies. As far as we're concerned, a trope is nothing more than a commonplace, recognizable plot, element, theme, or visual cue implicit to this type of movie. So I have a bunch of random tables. We're going to generate five tropes that we're going to start with. At any time, you can draw in one of these tropes to the scene that you're in to get a bonus to that die pool. You can bring in as many tropes as you want, but you can only use each one one time for that bonus. If we don't use one of the five we generate, we can move it on to act two and keep it, or we can replace it if it just doesn't come up and we don't think it'll be fun, that type of thing. But we're just going to start with five. So each person's going to roll 2d12, and then you'll get a choice of one or two, and you pick the one you think will be the most fun. So I'll start with you, Josh. A three and a two. Three and a two. All right. So that is dead man's trigger finger. And this is when someone gets shot and as they're dying, they pull the trigger and spray bullets everywhere, possibly hitting people or not, or air vent passageway, which is where you move through a building through an air vent. Oh, air vent passageway. Perfect. So you just write that down on the tropes under act one and said, if you use it, we'll cross it off. If not, we can move it to act two or we can replace it. Glenn, do you want to go ahead and roll two for me, please? 10 and three. 10 and three. So that is either action dress rip, which is where you have a female character who rips their dress so they can do some ass kicking in it or bookcase passage where there's a hidden passage somewhere that gets you into a secret place. Let's go with bookcase passage. Perfect. And it doesn't have to be a bookcase. It basically just means there's a secret passage somewhere. All right. Liwanika, you're up, sir. Okay. And I did forget to give you my character name. His name is Khalif Leclerc, but he goes by the name Cal. I have an 11 and a 9. An 11 and a 9 is either Carnival of Killers, which is where you have a menagerie of five different assassins that all have their very unique and over-the-top and very specific attribute that makes them easily identifiable as they go to kill the hero, or improbable cover, which is where you're able to hide behind something that should not provide cover, but it still works. <laughs> oh, we're definitely going improbable cover. 
Okay. <laughs> All right. We need two more. So whoever would like to roll again, I just need, unfortunately we don't have six. So one person will be low. Right. I'll go. You can as well. Uh, 10 and a nine. 10 and a nine is Ferris wheel of doom, which is where you have a large Ferris wheel. At some point we'll come disconnected and start rolling through the city. <laughs> or ceiling crash, where the ceiling will crash down on top of heroes and or villains. Oh, ceiling crash. Yeah. As good as the Ferris wheel is. Like, that's ceiling crash. Yeah. If we had picked London, then we could have gone with the Ferris wheel. Yeah. Exactly. That's, the, no that's the most in, in, obvious one. Yeah. All right. I've got an 11 and a 12. Okay. So 11, or 11, 12 is either sword and gun, which is where one of our heroes fights with both a sword in one hand and a gun in the other, or convenient enemy base which is where you, when you need to get to where the enemies are, it's conveniently nearby wherever you are. You already have sword play as a skill. I can definitely see you having one of each at some point. Yeah, I would say a sword and gun. Gotcha. Okay. So whenever you want to use a trope, you just basically say, okay, I'm going to pull in the sword and gun trope. And then as you're describing what you do, you just include the fact that you're doing that. And when you do that, you get a plus one bonus to your dice pool. Okay. So I'll just, I'll explain how that works now. So again, when it's your turn, you're going to be the active player. Each of you will get a chance to be the active player, and then we'll start over. It doesn't have to go in the same order, but everybody gets to go before anyone else gets to go again. When you're the active player, you're the GM, you're the player, you're the narrator, the storyteller. You have full discretion to just describe what's happening, what it looks like, how we see it, what your character is doing. Again, you just make it in the coolest, most over-the-top action way that you want. At some point, though, you're going to decide what your intent is. Okay, so I'm I'm doing like this parkour stuff and I'm jumping over this and through that. And what I'm trying to do is to get far enough away from the bad guys so that they don't see me. Okay, that's your intent. So you can describe all the cool action stuff you're doing, but the dice will tell us whether you actually accomplished your goal or not. So you right. always start with 1D12. So no matter what, you start with one. Then you're going to pick which attribute you think aligns with what you're trying to do. So with the parkour, it could be brawn. You could say it's brains because you're picking out the good route. It could be moxie because you're not really good at parkour, but you're doing it anyways. This is the type of game where you don't have to justify it to anybody. So whatever makes sense to you, makes sense to me. Then you want to add a skill if you have one that you think is applicable. You can add a relationship if you think it would work. You can try to use or yeah, so that would be it to start with. You cannot have more than five dice, though. So a lot of times you're going to find that you actually, you end out at five, but you still have more to pull. That's totally fine to do, but you should be rolling four or five dice almost every time. Again, you can leverage a relationship for an extra die. You can pull in a trope for an extra die, and then you're going to roll them all. Ones are called setbacks. Those are bad. Twos through seven are nothing. They're just blanks. They don't do anything for you. Eights through elevens are successes, and twelves count as two successes, and you can do other things with 12s. 12s are really good. Once you've got all your dice rolled, you're going to cancel out. So if you had two ones and two 11s, then you essentially you got nothing. Everything washes out. It's a net neutral result. If you had two ones, two 11s, and a 12, then you actually had two successes, and you can do something else with that 12. I'll tell you about it in a minute. So in Act 1, our first obstacle, which is going to be the quicksand, which is going to be the shrinking buildings, it has 12 points of conflict, what I'm calling it. So when you roll your die and you get a total of three successes, you've turned that 12 into a nine. So you're counting down or you're counting up however you want. You need to get 12 total points of success and then you can end that act. 
mathematically, this is an exploding system. So it is possible that on the very first roll of the game, you could end up with 12 successes. It has never happened, but it is mathematically <laughs> possible. But generally speaking, a good roll is between two and four. So the average success is three. If you have more setbacks than successes, so you end up rolling three ones and nothing else, we add four points back to our conflict unless that would take it above 12. In that case, we roll a brand new complication and we bring it into the scene at six points of conflict. So you could mess up so badly you've made things worse and we'll <laughs> figure out what that looks like when we decide what the new complication is. You can either roll randomly or you can just decide based on what you're, what you're actively doing. If there's like a complication that makes sense, then we can just roll with that as well. So again, remember ones are bad, two through sevens are nothing. 8 through 12 or 8 through 11 are successes, 12s are double successes, and you can do something with a 12. I'll tell you what that is when it comes up. If you happen to roll a net neutral result, so you just you roll five dice, but they're all between two and seven, nothing really happened. So rather than trying to describe nothing really happening, you then get to do the villain cutscene where the action cuts over to our bad guys and you get to tell us what they're doing in response to what's happening. So if we've already made their life more difficult, maybe they're reacting to the hero's intervention. Maybe we haven't been successful. So they're just laying out their plot and their villain monologuing. So the audience knows what the hell's happening. Totally up to you, but you get to drop us into the villains for a little bit so we can see what they're doing. So just that way you always have something to do. All right. I think those are the basics. What questions do you have for me? Not necessarily for you, but I've only, I only caught four of the tropes. I'm sorry, I'm missing one. Glenn, it was whichever one you did, because I've got the air vent. No, actually, I've got yours too, because I've got the air vent. I've got the ceiling crash, secret door. I've got sword, sword and gun. Sword and gun. Yeah. And what's the fifth one? Improbable cover. Improbable cover. Brilliant. All right. Okay. And so what was your character's name again? Me as, ja as Jagger. No, I've got yours, Josh. I was, Glenn, what was your character's name? Stan. Just Stan. Stan the man. Yep. Probably not the I mean, same Stanley from our If you're concerned, his last name is Bishop. Thank you for joining us. This has been Tabletop Journeys. We would love to hear your feedback on our show today. Join us at www.ttjourneys.com where you can subscribe to the blog to leave comments and see all the content that we publish beyond the podcast. You can also stay in touch by subscribing to our Twitter, at TT Journeys, by joining our Facebook group, Tabletop Journeys, or by sending an email directly to podcast at ttjourneys.com. And remember, if you want early access to all of our episodes, a chance to drop dice with your favorite hosts, and maybe even appear in one of our actual plays, you can join our Patreon to help support the show at patreon.com forward slash TT Journeys. You're listening to us on Stitcher, iTunes, Podchaser, Spotify, or Audible. We would appreciate it if you would like and subscribe to the podcast on that platform. Full episodes come out every week on Saturdays, and every Tuesday features our actual play episodes. Thank you for listening and for being a part of our growing community. And in the words of another traveler along our path, we bid you shade and sweet water.